The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her at all. His disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away. She keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, it is not right to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, it is, Lord. For even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Who is in and who is out? And that powerful binary runs through human experience in all kinds of ways, doesn't it? Who belongs? who doesn't, who wins, and who loses, or in religious terms, who is saved, and who is damned. Is that what we celebrate today in the baptism of Roy Rouleau, that Roy is now in, when before he was out? I, I went to a Lutheran parochial school as a little kid. Ronnie Scala and Annie, Andy Dorner were my two best pals in the neighborhood. I went to the Lutheran parochial school. They went to the Catholic parochial school. This was Chicago, circa 1962, 1963. One day, I think, I think we were in third grade, we were sitting together on the curb after school, talking. And we got to talking about stuff we were learning at school about religion. And I will never in my life forget that conversation because by the end of it, you had three little boys sitting on the curb crying crying because Ronnie and Andy had just learned that I was definitely not in. Crying because I had just learned in the past week from my pastor that they were definitely out. And the only way that that would change was if I joined their tribe or if they joined mine. At least that's 
That's what we were taught. The prophet Isaiah sees a day coming when God will overrule all our tidy categories of in and out. In, in earlier biblical writings, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, specific legislation excluded eunuchs and foreigners from the covenant community of Israel. Israel was required to maintain control of its borders by excluding those who didn't fit into a binary construction of gender or those who were ethnic outsiders. Keep them out, was the legislation. But in today's first reading, Isaiah foresees a day when the only requirement to belong to Israel will be Sabbath-keeping and the practice of justice. God, says Isaiah, makes an overruling promise. These, all these, I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Paul the Apostle wrestles with a different problem in today's reading from Romans. He and lots of other Jews were stunned by the revelation of Jesus crucified and risen as Israel's Messiah and as the Savior of Jews and Gentiles alike. But after 30 or so years of proclaiming this message, way more Gentiles had become Jesus believers than had Jews. So Paul, in writing this letter, addresses a question that Gentile believers in the city of Rome were struggling with. They were wondering, has God rejected the people of Israel? Is that what this means? The people who were once in, are they now out? Because so few have accepted Jesus as Messiah. Paul's answer, by no means. He goes on to argue that rejection of Jesus by most Jews is part of God's long game, part of a divine plan. Rejected by most Jews, preachers of the gospel will more and more focus on bringing the message to everybody else, the rest of humanity. And in the meantime, in the meantime, in the meantime, God will never forget the promises God has made to Israel because, says Paul, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. It is God's purpose and plan to be merciful to all. I wish I had already studied those texts when Andy Dorner and Ronnie Scala and I were sitting on the curb. Our conversation might have gone differently. Now, <clears throat> for anyone who, who longs for a day when the old tribalisms of in and out no longer call the shots, 
Isaiah and Paul sing a pretty welcome song. So the scene in today's gospel reading comes across as a major dissonance. This has got to be the most unflattering portrayal of Jesus in all of Scripture. Jesus seems to affirm the wall Isaiah and Paul say God intends to tear down. A Canaanite woman whose daughter is being tormented by a demon comes to Jesus and in her agony for this kid, she shouts out to him for help. And I get it, this scene reminds me of, of an experience I had. I was with my mother in a hospital emergency room when she suffered an overwhelming allergic anaphylactic response to an antibiotic. It's an instant kind of experience. And I stood up and just started shouting at the top of my lungs for help. Jesus' response to this cry for help is really hard to take. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hmm. Jesus chooses in this situation to remain faithful to his understanding of God's mission for him. And that allows him to ignore this woman in her need. It's striking. But, but she knows better. She knows better. She sees something in Jesus which he himself does not yet see. At that moment, Jesus himself has not yet grasped that he is walled in by too narrow a vision of God's great adventure. And so, by her great faith, the Canaanite woman dares to teach the teacher. And she teaches him with prayer. Lord, help me. Jesus finally addresses her directly for the first time in this story with an insult. It's not right to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Jesus calls her a dog. We can't turn away from that. It's both a religious and ethnic insult, like referring to people as heathen and infidels and other nasty kinds of things. But even in this moment, she sees something in Jesus which he himself does not yet see. And so she doesn't allow the insult to have the last word. She doesn't respond in kind. I hear her in a kind of motherly way, contradicting him and correcting him. She overwhelms Jesus with her great faith. It is, Lord. Yes, it is right. For even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Yes, it is, Lord. 
And just so, the teacher is taught. This one who is the agent of God's great adventure is propelled more deeply into God's imagination by the faith of a Canaanite woman, so much so that after his resurrection, Jesus can say to his friends, go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew does something artfully important here in this story. Of all the gospel writers, it is Matthew who most clearly presents Jesus as teacher and the church as learning community. But in this story, Matthew tells us that even the teacher par excellence sent by God must go on learning. Jesus grows in this encounter with a person he deemed other. Jesus himself grows in this encounter. He grows by learning from a woman around whom all the exclusionary energy of his religion had gathered. And if Jesus must go on learning, then so must we. So must we. Which brings us, or at least me, to little Roy Rulo. As Roy is baptized into Christ, he is baptized into God's overruling mission to bring everyone home. Kelly and Matt, this little guy Roy is going to need you to help him learn about that mission. You're going to be key teachers for him. And so will his brothers and sister. So will his sponsors. And so will the community of Christian believers. Jesus learned perhaps the most important thing about his own role in God's mission not from the study of books in the shelter of a library, but from a person of great faith. I love books. You've never been to my house in Medford. I drive my wife crazy because the whole house is crammed with books. I am not a person who ever would disparage book learning. <laughs> but, but, the key curriculum for growing in God's mission, in growing in awareness of God's mission, cannot be found in a book. It can only be found in the encounter with people whose trust in God's dream for us is so deep and profound that it erupts in prayer and overrides every human effort to exclude. Those are the people I pray you will be for Roy, people of great faith. And I pray for you as agents of God's mission in this place that the Holy Spirit will continue to so work in your lives 
that you will, one and all, be people of great faith. Baptism does not tell Roy that today he is in, whereas yesterday he was out. What baptism reveals about Roy has been true about Roy from the beginning of his life. He is a child of God and always has been. And in the sacrament of holy baptism, God reveals something about God's self. God says, I am for you, not against you. I have always been for you and always will be. Baptism in your life is the overruling promise of God, announcing that in God's dream for creation and for you, there is no more any such thing as in or out, winners or losers, saved or damned. Only beloved children. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.